Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Ravanan Kareem, everyone. I hope you're all adjusting to the new hours and uh, getting used to uh, work during this holy month. Uh, we'll be continuing the podcast as usual. Uh, there's been a lot of chat uh, in the last few years around Metaverse and Web3, and Dubai has rode in behind that. Some number of very exciting events taking place here, such as the Metaverse Assembly and Dubai Future Foundation last year. Uh, so we haven't covered the topic as much as we'd have liked to on the podcast, but we've got a really good interview today that will explain a lot about what's happening, particularly in the Metaverse. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. With us on this episode is Sam Huber. He's the CEO of Landvold, the largest property developers in the metaverse with a portfolio of over 200 experience. We're going to hear all about what Landvold does, the metaverse, e metaverse ecosystem in the UAE, and looking ahead, what's in the future. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So tell us about Landvold. Yeah, Landvold is really a, a construction company, but in the virtual world. So just like a traditional construction company, we have all the skills that we need to um, build, but only that the skills are digital skills. So in the company today, we have about 120, uh, we call them the builders, which who are architects, designers, game developers, and can basically take anyone's brief and vision and turn it into an actual 3D experience that kind of looks like a video game, um, but sometimes has other purposes, like it could be a, a virtual concert, for example, or a virtual mall, or any kind of experience. And, um, you know, over the past year or so, we've seen that brands mainly, and now property developers in the physical world, and even governments are trying to establish themselves in the metaverse as well, and creating 3D experiences for their services. It's an interesting way of looking at it. So basically, one of those entities, bodies would come to you, a brand or a government, and you would uh, construct their presence in the metaverse. Yeah, that's right. So we take care of everything from the, the idea, the concept, you know, having done now over 200 projects from big brands like MasterCard or Red Bull or L'Oreal, um, all the way into government structures here as well. We also understand what works, what doesn't work, how to make this engaging, how to give people a real reason to enter the experience. So we, we leverage that expertise to create, you know, awesome experiences for these, uh, for these companies. Okay. And when did you start the company? So the company started in 2018, but before that, it was mm. in the gaming space. Yeah. So our first product was what we call in-game advertising, which was a, a pretty revolutionary way to help brands um, create product placement within gaming environments. We've always believed that, you know, gaming with... 3 billion people playing games every day is a huge channel to, to advertise, a huge channel for brands to reach their audience. So that's the first product that we created. It was purely ads into games. And then last year, we decided to expand and basically pivot into the metaverse. And instead of, of just putting um, ads inside 
games. Now we create full experiences from scratch. We help brands actually promote those experiences in the metaverse. And you already had a lot of the, the people in place to be able to do that. So that's why you've been able to do 200 projects in a year. Yeah, we had um, we had a good structure. We already had the right technology. You know, we, we had raised about $35 million as well. So we had resources. We did make an acquisition uh, to acquire the skills that we did not have, which was the creative side of things, mm. actually building projects from scratch. So we acquired a company, we rebranded, and uh, and we became Landvolt in June 2022. Okay, wow, not that long ago. No. And uh, that business was running in, where, where did you set it up? So it was running in the, in the UK, uh, and then we expanded into the US. The US became quickly our biggest market. And um, about six weeks ago now, I, I relocated here um, because for the last you know six months, the UAE has been our fastest growing market. Amazing. Um, yeah. And what, so, so now you've moved the headquarters of Landvol to Dubai? Because yeah, we still, have, we're still based in the UK as well. We have a presence in the UK, presence in the US. Uh, we've actually just opened a, a, a presence in Singapore as well. But personally, I'm here. We are going to start hiring here. We're bringing some of the team here. And we want to make this region our, our, core, our core business because we see that you know, there's a clear vision from the government to, to dominate the metaverse, to become the, the first um, government and even the first country that is that truly has a, a, a legitimate metaverse presence. So for us, it's very exciting to be here and uh, you know help with that vision. So you mentioned at the start that it's a construction company, but obviously it's in Web3 in the metaverse space. So when you're coming to Dubai and setting up business, what sort of, uh, where do you set up your business in Dubai and what sort of activity do you get? Yeah, so you know, we created um, created a company here, and here it's mainly focused on uh, business development and, and sales. So our our developers, our artists are based overseas, and here we're really trying to focus on building the right relationship with companies who are interested in getting into the metaverse. So it could be real estate companies, it could be entertainment, the government obviously is one of them. And so we're basically going going after those and uh, you know trying to build our, our local track record. But but do you get um do you go under the VARA regulation for this license? Do you which free zone did you start in? Or can you just literally set up a marketing services or a construction business and do sales? Right. Yeah, we set up in uh, IFZA. Mm. Um, it was uh, a you know, good, cost-efficient way and fast way to, to move forward under uh, metaverse services, which is what we provide here. Of course, for everything that is you know, digital assets, um, we most likely are going to need to work with, with VARA in the future. Okay, so you do have metaverse services, that's what you provide. Yes. Okay, yep. amazing. And so you mentioned, you know, you saw the demand coming from here. Is that is that from a demand for your services or is it, that, is it just that there's a lot of momentum around, uh, you know, this, these technologies in the region? I think it's a bit of both. It started, you know, I, I came here multiple times for business before. The last time was in October last year for a conference that we were running here and a couple of events. And I was really impressed with the vision uh, at the government level, you know, creating 40,000 jobs in the metaverse by 2025, um, actually created digital twins of the buildings. It was really the first time where I could hear that coming from a government. Mm. And, you know, I been doing business in the US, I spent time in Singapore, spent time in the UK, who all have fairly big uh, startup ecosystems. Mm. But there's never been a direction from the government. The government kind of stays out of 
you know ev everyone decides what they want to build but there's no there's no real um incentive or, or or vision from the government to say we want to be the best at this so i like that you know to me it felt like you know a clear vision like i'm trying to to create for my team yeah. um almost like the country was running like um you know a startup a company with like okay we're going to go after this and um you know, looking at the ecosystem here, it felt like we could bring a lot of value. Mm. Um, there is, I think, uh, you know, there's there's that vision, and then it's how we, you can actually go about implementing it. And as the largest builders, you know, with with track record, we have some local projects already. We felt like it would just be a, a perfect way for us to to go and uh, and actually help with that vision, which also aligned with ours. Yeah, definitely. I, I attended the Metaverse Assembly in Dubai Future Foundation, and it's hard not to be swept up and inspired by what's happening here. That it's as you said, it's kind of aligning with uh, government support, and it, it's definitely creating that environment where people can uh, run companies and projects like yours. But just talk to me a little bit about so when you say the largest construction, largest builder, um, how is that measured? Or you know, are we talking about a particular? chain that this is on or are we talking about number of projects or uh you know how uh, your website has a nice portfolio of all the different projects that you've worked on but how would one sort of ex experience that in the metaverse yeah so when i said you know the largest it's um looking at the number of, of people we have so as i said we have about 120 people working on probably about 30 projects concurrently at the at the same time so this just enables us to do to do more and more projects um, and yeah over the last 18 months we've completed I think 200 200 of them so that's that's a hundred million square feet of uh, of real estate in the metaverse that we have built wow. uh, which was a cool milestone yeah um, most of these experiences are either hosted on applications so, you know, the Sandbox is one of the platforms we build on, uh, Somnium Space, Decentraland. Those are apps that you need to download on your computer. I've and heard of the first one and the last one. The second one, it say it again? Somnium Space. Somnium yeah. Space, okay. Yeah. So one thing that also makes Landville special is we, we do not want to specialize only in one or two platforms because we believe that just like the internet, you know, the metaverse should be, you should be able to access it from anywhere. So we've always been cross-platform. We have teams that can work in, in all of these different platforms. So, um, so yeah, so that's the, that's the first way to access the metaverse. And the second way, which we actually think is um, the less, you know, the way with the less friction is just through the web. So you can build an experience. It's a 3D experience. It looks mm -hmm. like a game. You have an avatar. You can move move along. And then you just deploy that on your website. And so instead of having a two-dimensional website that has to scroll up and down, you actually have an experience that you can just move around and, and you know experience the brand, experience the product in a way that is just a lot more immersive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we see platforms who... Uh you know, web platforms who allow people to do it in that way as well. Uh, but of course, then there's the the platforms that you mentioned, uh, the other platforms that you mentioned uh, in the metaverse that you have to uh, buy a plot of land. Do you help uh, your clients sort of purchase that land as well? Yes. So we have a we have a concierge um, arm for virtual land. Um, which actually was funny because, you know, that, that kind of came out of demand last year when a lot of brands were jumping on the, the metaverse bandwagon and you need that, that land, right? Which is a, a tiny piece of the map, basically, mm. that is sold as a unique NFT. Once you own the land, it represents your location in the metaverse, a bit like a URL on the internet. Um, and then you can develop that land and turn it into an experience. And last year, a lot of brands just 
either did not know how to do it or did not have the capabilities to buy the right crypto, to buy the land, hold it on their balance sheets. You know, it's an asset that can fluctuate in value. So we basically became the custodian of that. Um, and by, you know, just, just asking for a flat dollar fee or a fiat fee to be able to acquire land for those, uh, those companies. So we turned into a, a land bank and uh, following that, you know, now we hold, I think, over 200 plots of land in, in various uh, in various platforms. And a lot of those are rented to, to brands that want to be in that specific location. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I like the terminology of concierge because, as you said, there's just steps along the way, isn't there? There's having the wallets, there's, you know, choosing the right size, there's having the Ethereum or whatever token you need to buy it with. And then... Well, if you've chosen to do it on Sandbox or Decentraland, then you go there. But you, you kind of, you know, you need to know what you want to do with the plot. Of course, you can buy a plot of land like in the real world, but it, it's good if you know what stage of the project that's for. Is it? Is that how it works? Yeah, so yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the thing that drive value to a piece of land uh, in the metaverse is um, obviously utility, right? What you can do with it. And people believe that if you are able to build a great experience and drive millions of users and potentially sell things to them, then actually acquiring this piece of land is worth it because it puts you in a place where it's easy to bring bring more users to it. And are there, you mentioned sort of working with projects here, on one of those platforms, Decentraland, uh, the other two were mm -hmm. Sandbox and the last yeah. one. Somnium. Somnium. Yeah. On those platforms, if someone went onto them now, would they see Dubai buildings there? Um, well, so Sandbox working on a, uh, you know, the Dubaiverse, uh, which will have some of the key landmarks uh, in the in the region. Sandbox themselves are working on it. Yeah, so it's okay. a district that basically has been sold to multiple partners in the region that that are going to build, you know, key landmarks for for Dubai. But no, most of the metaverse platforms do not really replicate the real world, right? It's anyone can go and and build anything. So you would just see a, a mix of different things. Uh, in that platform, but they're not gonna um, they're not gonna match the real world. But are some of the projects that you've done here a, a, a visible for people to see? Yeah, on those yeah. platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what we do here actually goes beyond those platforms because a lot of you know real estate companies um, we're working on the the launch of a new 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 building downtown, for example, mm. which is not live yet. But this is going to be photorealistic. Okay. Um, and the platforms today do not support that. So we're building using Unreal Engine, which is a different, you know, game engine. And then we're deploying that directly on the web. Um, and anyone can actually access it directly from the web. So it doesn't really sit in one platform. It sits on a, on a website that already has traffic. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of uh, production skills and development and design skills. You know, what, what, just anecdotally, when we were building these studios here, uh, we got the 3D modeling done as well. And so we can then turn that into a metaverse space. Yep. Is, is that what, you know, are you seeing people coming to you with, uh, 3D renders and saying, can you, can you help me enter the metaverse? I've got a nice space, something like that. Yeah, that definitely happens. You know, a lot of those 3D renders are fairly static mm. and basically, um, you know, those, those companies want to create a, what is called a digital twin, which is a, a digital copy of the space, which is exactly to the right dimension. And that can be, can be made interactive. 
So mm. you can move with your avatar within it and, you know, it can be used for, for sales purposes. For example, if you were to um, recreate the interior of a, of a flat or a condo and then you would want to, you know, sell that to, uh, to an investor or to someone who, who wants to live there, actually seeing it in three dimension, being able to navigate through it, even mm. if you maybe live really far away, is, uh, is an interesting way to, to make the, the flat more tangible, to make yeah. the experience more tangible. Yeah. So uh, uh, really interested in sort of having architects on your books to do this sort of drawing, because it's obviously something that's very specialized and quite high, high in demand skill. But going back to the sort of number of staff and the original company, you raised, you mentioned you raised $35 million. That, that's a lot of money. Uh, was that on the original idea? And is, are we talking about, you know, is that like a startup investment or is it different when it, when it crypto is involved? No, it was definitely startup investment, um, mainly on the original idea of helping building technology for brands to enter virtual worlds. Mm. It started with games and then it moved into the metaverse. The vision really hasn't changed much. We just expanded the platforms that we support. And, um, you know, in addition from just building experiences, which is a big part of our business, the real value and how value is created and why we raised so much capital is to build technology underneath to then accelerate that. So for example, we built analytics services. So it's, it's kind of similar to uh, Google Analytics, you know, which measures traffic on, on the website, but to be able to do that within metaverse experiences. So if you're a brand or real estate company and you have your, your digital twin, you want to measure how many people are entering, what are people doing, are people buying things, are they just looking at things? So basically, you know, you, you're able to measure the ROI of that experience. Um, and so this is technology that we have built and that is deployed in every experience that we are, that we are creating, every client that we work with. And we have similar things for monetization. We have a protocol that enables to deploy content in an interoperable way. So we're building all these building blocks, all this infrastructure that we then deploy on, uh, on top of every client. And the goal is really to create that, what I call the WordPress moment. You know, on the internet, everyone can build a website. Everyone can easily monetize a website. Mm. It's not easy to build a successful business, but to get it started, there's less barriers to entry. Mm. Today in the metaverse, it's still very expensive to build a 3D environment, to deploy it, to make money from it. So we're trying to build tools that accelerate that so that one day anyone will be able to build a metaverse experience. If you want to rebuild this quickly, you shouldn't have to spend $100,000. You might want to be able to do it yourself. You know, drag and drop, upload your custom artwork, and boom, you have a metaverse studio. You can start recording shows in a digital world. So that's what we're working towards is to create the right tools to enable creators worldwide to democratize the metaverse and make it easily as accessible as the internet. Yeah, wow, Im impressive. And you know, just focusing on one part that you mentioned, the analytics part. Uh, so if someone pays you to do the uh, first part of the project and the project goes live, then the analytics part was kind of a license fee mm -hmm. that they can then, so they're kind of still locked in. But to for you to get more clients that haven't sort of been built with you with like google analytics would that be something that you could have as, as a as a software as a service product yeah that's a great point and that's that's exactly the direction that that we're going right ideally we are we, we want to be a tech company we want to license our technology for anyone to build but what we realized is 
there is not a lot of metaverse builds out there. Mm. So to accelerate the way that our technology goes to market, we decided to build the experiences ourselves. This is the fastest way for us to get our tech to market. And to generate revenue as well. And to generate so revenue yeah. with you know high margins while the market is still you know fairly nascent. Yeah. We've identified early on that there is, you know, for every new technology, you have this creative era where a lot of things are done manually because mm. there is a lack of infrastructure and the infrastructure is getting built and then you move into more like a tech automated era. This was the same with advertising on the internet, you know, until maybe 2003, 2004, everything was very manual. You had to, if you had a website with traffic, you had to call up brands and say, hey, I have this, you know, header. Do you want to put your <laughs> banner? Okay, yes, I'll send it to you by email. Yeah. And only then when there was enough traffic, enough volume, then programmatic networks started to basically be a middleman to facilitate that. Yeah. So it's kind of the same in the metaverse today. There's just, you know, there's, I think, 2,000 metaverse experiences that have been built in the Web3 world. So it's like a, an internet with 2,000 websites. That's like early 90s. Mm. So at that point, you know, the need for technology is, uh, is, is limited because there's just not enough volume. But mm. we need to still invest and build that infrastructure to be ready for when, you know, we have a million metaverse experiences, then 10 million. And this is when having those pipes, those these, these rails is going to be really, really uh, a real game changer. Yeah. And of course, you have to have that sort of long term view, uh, maybe not that long term, but you know, raising that amount of money, was it over a number of rounds? Yeah, three. Uh, seed round, Series A, Series B, over uh, two, three and a half years. Okay, amazing. Uh, yeah, and but to do that, and to do that amount of fundraising and be a services company doesn't really work, right? Like you can't, if you're, you know, there's plenty of digital agencies in the world now who might be able to get animators or use Unreal Engine or things like that, but um, they wouldn't be able to raise that amount of money. So there has to be the technology. Absolutely. The pitch has always been the technology and, you know, the, the creative services that we offer is again, it's, it's a way to get our technology to market, get Mm. our technology implemented by, by MasterCard, by the brands that I mentioned, right? And, um, you know, we could partner with someone else that builds, but we thought we can build ourselves, you know, and that's also a way to generate revenue for the company and build our profile because these are the the kind of experiences that are really, you know, out there public that help build the name of the company. And so we decided to kind of vertically integrate and also provide that service. But the pitch to investors always has been the technology. Mm. And that's what's really unique about us because, Building, yeah, sure, we have more, you know, we have more builders, we have more track record, but this is not a long-term barrier, right? Everyone can build and, and, and we know that as the, the tools are um, getting more and more, you know, out there in the market, the actual skills to build are going to be commoditized. Um, like, you know, building a website right now, literally millions of people can do that. There's nothing special about this and tools can do it better than humans. So it's going to be the same in the metaverse. Our long-term defensibility is the technology that we're building. And how is it, so how is the metaverse different? For example, you know, as you, as you said, if you're building uh, a website uh, on the internet, you can do it in a certain way. If you're building a software as a service platform with analytics, you do it in a certain way. Uh, and I want to ask a little bit about the content side of it, but let's just stick on analytics. Do you need a different coder? Do you need a different language to do analytics in the metaverse? Is it completely different software? The tech stack is fairly different because on the web, you know, everything is HTML based, right? So you have that language, you have, you know, plugins, SDKs that just integrate with, with a web page. 
in the metaverse, everything is based on real-time 3D game engines like Unity, Unreal. So this is, you know, C++, C Sharp, it's a different code base. Hmm. So all the integration, all the tools, all the infrastructures that will plug on top of that to measure what's happening, to power monetization, to power transactions has to be based, yeah, on a different language. Hmm. And this is why we see that, you know, rebuilding the infrastructure for the metaverse is going to be a huge market because the companies that have built the infrastructure for the web, which could be Google, for example, for them, it's too much of a shift, right? It's too far away from, you know, 25 years of, of legacy of, of coding, the way that you're going to query a metaverse experience to search visually search within that 3D content is not the same as crawling the web to search for answers. Mm. So everything is different. And this is where we think it, it creates a huge opportunities for, for us, but also for, you know, startups in the space, because you have a, a bit of a reset when it comes to the internet, which is called Web3, right? It's, it's literally a new thing, new code base, new infrastructure. And so every time that happens, there is huge opportunities for companies to become a, a leader in the market and, and you know, power the, the infrastructure necessary to grow this market. Uh, and are we at a stage, though, now where, you know, the mass adoption of uh, headsets and metaverse hardware isn't there yet? So people are experiencing uh, the metaverse on uh, websites and in, a, yeah. in that environment. So we're kind of, do you think that's a temporary or the, do you think the, the metaverse is going to be a bit of both long term as well? Yeah, I think it would be a bit of both. You know, if we look at gaming, right, to me, the, the big proof point of the metaverse is games. You know, there's 3 billion people playing games every single day on various devices from mobile all the way to your, your TV or, and your, your desktop. Mm. 3 billion people. It's a huge market. So the fact that, you know, the question is not, would people like to spend time in virtual environments? Like we know that is already the case. Gaming has been proving that. And people are spending, you know, I think 200 billion a year. That's the, the gaming market, like how much people spend on games. Mm. So it's already a huge market. And the metaverse just expands the use case beyond just games. You'll still be in a virtual environment, but instead of playing a game, you might attend a virtual concert or you might go shopping or you might browse your next holiday destination and you can mm. see it in a virtual environment. Mm. So gaming is definitely the, the proof point. It's the, the same customer behavior as, as the metaverse. Mm. And, you know, most gaming happens on, on screens. It doesn't happen on headsets just yet. So for me, the headset is going to be, you know, the ultimate way to to experience um, to experience the metaverse eventually because it's it's really immersive. It's kind of like going to the cinema. It's probably the best way to watch a movie. Mm. But most movies you watch, you probably watch them on your desktop at home on your on your TV or maybe even on your phone, right? You don't mm. go to the cinema for every single movie. You just that's like a, a bit of a luxury. You you reserve that for the new movie, the cool stuff. Mm. So I think the headsets are going to be like that. You know, we might use them once a week, twice a week for things that are really immersive. But most of the time we'll experience the metaverse, which is a 3D internet through our desktop and eventually through our phones. Okay, amazing. Can you talk, talk us through, before I jump into a few other topics, uh, the, an example, you mentioned L'Oreal and a few other brands. So what, what was the project that they wanted and what did it look like in the end? So actually for them, it was part of the metaverse fashion week which uh, you might have heard of. So this happened last year. There's another version this year uh, in Decentraland. And the idea is, you know, we had a, so it was multiple builders. It was not just land vaults. It was kind of decentralized in a way. And um, the, the structure was based on 20 shops. 
that were sub-rented to, to brands. So brands could come in and pay some money to customize their shop. And then they also had a catwalk where uh, users were basically waiting to see what, you know, uh, an actual fashion show. And uh, brands could go in with um, um, skins and, you know, uh, virtual, virtual clothes and, and all this stuff on top of avatars. There were uh, influencers that were walking around. And then the audience could then go to the shop to buy the items that they like. And all these clothes, virtual clothes, were actual NFTs. Mm. Um, and so that was one of the things that, you know, the, the fashion brands and Tommy Hilfiger was there and Selfridges and a lot of, you know, retailers and fashion brands were, were part of that. And L'Oreal was actually advertising throughout that, that experience through product placement. Do you do anything specific on NFTs as part of your offering? I mean, NFTs are every asset in the Web3 metaverse um, is an NFT. So, you know, if you have a car or if you have a sword or a piece of clothing, like all of those items can be minted independently as, as NFTs and collected by the users. So it depends what the brand wants to do. Um, if you have a, a fashion brand that wants to create a, a quest and, you know, sell digital collectibles, then, yeah, every item can be, you know, sold to customers this way. But if you're... Com if if you were doing more about so for Landvold, are you with NFTs with digital identity? Are you more focused on the sort of creating projects, NFT projects for clients, or is it more about a marketplace? Or uh, what role do do NFTs fit in your offering at the moment? Yeah, we don't. We wouldn't launch. Uh you know, that's not really our expertise to yeah. just launch a, an NFT project. We really focus on the metaverse experience. Mm. And we think that the metaverse is the best place for NFTs to actually take their full utility. You know, if you collect, again, digital clothing or um, uh, a PFP of an avatar, where is that going to come to life? Well, in the metaverse, you're able to actually wear it on top of your avatar mm. and, and see it in three dimensions. So we focus more on that. And if as part of that, the brand wants to do an NFT drop, something we can handle, but we wouldn't just uh, create a, a separate campaign for that. For that, we would partner with companies that, you know, are able to do that themselves. And the long-term plan is the projects that you work on, the 3040 projects, are, are they any brand that comes to you that wants to be in the metaverse? Are they more focused on building land and building spaces? Um, a lot, there's been a bit of a shift, you know, a lot of the, um, the brands that we talk to, especially here, the, the big, you know, construction groups, for example, they're not really into the, the, the platforms themselves. Mm. They want to, it's more about digital twins. It's more yeah. about replicating a digital version of their spaces. So a digital version of this studio, but it has to look photorealistic. And then it's something that they can use to do different things. If you imagine, you know, replicating a... Uh, a building or even downtown Dubai, for example, um, which is a, a, a project, um, you know, that could be used for urban planning, for example, because then you can integrate AI on top of the 3D model. The 3D model is just a map, but you could integrate an AI that basically predicts what happens to the traffic if I close this road. Or what if we build another building here? How does that affect the flow of traffic? Does that create congestions and things like that? Mm. So there's real use cases behind it to have a, a digital twin, which is a digital copy of your environment. It's not just to look at it as it is now, but it's to actually predict what could happen if you were to make change to the environment. Mm. And we think that's going to be a huge use case for the metaverse going forward. And the value part of it as well, you know, sometimes if people are paying a lot of money for 
uh, an expensive villa that you know as a if they can have an nft or digital version of that it's like a collectible or it's something that property developers are looking to offer them as well yeah so there's um that's also an interesting model to have like you know as you buy the property you get a, a digital clone of that and you can use that later as a sales tool if you want to resell the property you can instead of sending photos you can actually send a 3d model mm. um and then there's the concept of fractionalization right you can tokenize um basically a, a space you know if if you have a 20 million house somewhere you might want to tokenize it into you know a thousand different pieces to make it investable for for the average investor so people can buy a fraction of that house by owning tokens that represent ownership in that house mm. and actually make money without having to fork out the whole 20 million dollars yeah so there's a, a lot of really interesting business models that are you know enabled by the blockchain and for us at landville is, is something that we are we're still experimenting with a lot of these different things and you know trying to understand what works best for for different use cases okay amazing so a little bit about the industry uh you know i i'm not deep into it you know, we cover some crypto news on smashy crypto and i see lots of things that are in the headlines but I imagine that it's quite a competitive space, even though it's the early doors. Like I've heard similar companies to what you do. Uh, how competitive is it? And how do you think, you know, how do you think the whole industry can grow so those companies can kind of thrive and prosper? I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, there's, there's a lot of people jumping in the space for mm. sure. Um, I think it's also a big market. If you think, if you think about the digital twin concept, right, how much, how many companies do we need to actually build a copy of the whole world? You know, this is not the job for one company or even 10 companies. So there is space for many companies to target different types of governments, different types of organization, different types of brands. So at the moment, it's, um, it's, it's competitive, but I would say that, you know, it's also a huge market. So we don't always end up competing against um, other companies. You know, there's every country have their own, um, I guess, land vault equivalent working with local brands, which, you know, for us, even with 120 people, still difficult to cover the whole market. So I think there's, there's a lot of space. And I also think there is a lot of opportunities for consolidation mm. because there's a lot of studios that are not competitive to us. We never, we never come across them, but they're doing really well somewhere else in the world or maybe targeting a different vertical that we don't have access to. Mm. So the next step for us, we, we really believe in consolidation. We think that to, you know, to win the market and to provide the best services, um, there's going to have to have some kind of consolidations of smaller studios are kind of coming together and really becoming that market leading studio. So that's something that, you know, we're looking at for the next stage of our growth. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there was an example recently of Nike. They acquired a sort of an animation, uh, uh, yeah, a kind of a Web3 type animation type company in Paris to help uh, and, you know, to help do with the skills that they didn't, yep. similar to what you mentioned, uh, acquire those skills. So this that, that kind of uh, seems to be what's happening a lot in the industry at the moment. Yeah, I think because it's a new space, right? Innovation is really popping up from anywhere. And it's really hard to know, you know, what what is really going to take over, right? There, mm. There's a few things that we believe in. Um, a few platforms that look solid today, but you know, other platforms could come out tomorrow. Like there's no real business as usual in the space. Mm. So it's, it's hard to just focus on just growing organically in one direction. Mm. I think the best way is to look at 
what's working, what's not working, and consolidating from there. So, you know, we're trying to build on our early lead, having been, you know, building Metaverse since 2021 and having a lot of track record and raising significant capital to be able to be to be that company. Mm. And um, and it's not just about, you know, um, becoming a, a monopoly at all costs. It's, it's really to help all these companies that individually may not have a huge chance of success. Um, because there's more and more competition, there's more and more studios popping out. So, mm. you know, the market share of each studio is getting smaller. And as you said, the real differentiator here is the technology. If you don't have technology, you know, just look at what happened on the internet. You know, there were a ton of agencies building websites, a ton of agencies building blogs, and then tools came out and those agencies became irrelevant. Mm. So this is going to happen to in the metaverse as well, unless you have technology, unless you're building rails that you can basically plug on top of and, and slowly transform from a service business to a tech business. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the current climate, Sam, because I guess the, the wind has come out of the sail a little bit since you, you started and you know, we, we all see the metaverse is already there, but I guess the size of the opportunity uh, may, might in some people's assessment has shifted. For example, you mentioned 2021. At that time, at the end of that year, uh, Mark Zuckerberg rebranded his company as Meta. Uh, they were spending some quotes, 10, 12 billion dollars in that space last year. And now they've curtailed that a lot. Uh, there's definitely more sort of um, excitement that there's palpable excitement in the startup space around AI, yep. which was kind of the case 18 months ago in Web3 and crypto, but it's sort of uh, died down a bit in line with the valuation of crypto uh, uh, dropping back. So, do you think uh, that that's just sort of extended the runway of how long this is going to actually take, or do you think that the that because there's not as much investment or excitement in the space, the market opportunity won't be able to fulfill its previous potential. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're not really worried about that in, in a way. It's um, every technology has cycles of adoption, right? You have you have that, um, you know, that peak of inflated expectation, I think it's called, and then you have that trough of disillusionment and then you have this plateau of stability and we've seen that you know we were early in the vr space as well the first um, uh, technology that we were building was to help brands enter games but we were also targeting vr because we we saw it as a new technology mm. and vr was hot for a bit and then not hot at all and then now you can see use cases it's it's stable it's not mainstream but it's stable mm. and um i think you know what's crazy is with Every new technology, now it's generative AI, but you know, the peak seems to happen a lot quicker, like suddenly everyone uses it, but the cycles are also falling short a lot quicker as well. So, you know, in a few, in a few months, a lot of those generative AI startups that are all building on top of the same model with very little differentiation, it's going to be the same. Most of them are just not going to make it just like most crypto projects didn't make it because again, they were not, they were building on top of hype. So I think it's the same thing, you know, every, it's just that the cycles are happening faster and faster because of, of the technology. Um, and so, yeah, now, you know, there's, there's definitely less, less hype, but the companies that still want to build in the metaverse are doing it in a very strategic way. We have much longer projects, much more thought through projects, much bigger projects. Um, 
no, no one now wants to jump in and do something quickly for next week to be able to announce it. That's gone. Mm. But the companies that want to stay, you know, they're thinking, how are we going to establish my brand in the virtual world for the next 10, 15 years? So these are much bigger project, more chunky project. And, you know, here we talk about metaverse, but it's also about digital twins, like having a, a digital copy of of your environment, of your buildings that you can use for various things. This is resonating really well here, kind of outside of the whole metaverse. You know, it's not necessarily, you don't really need crypto for this. It doesn't have to be a, a consumer facing mm. use case. It could just be for your company internally. And so, you know, for me, it's all part of the digital transformation, right? We're spending more and more time online. And so, you know, being able to digitalize everything around us just makes sense. And so, um, yeah, the, the long-term trend, the long-term demand is, is still here. It's there. Uh, so you mentioned mainstream, picking up on one word <laughs> you mentioned, but, you know, uh, I'm probably similar age to you and I'm old enough to remember, you know, web one, then web two, and on the back of that. But what strikes me is that the valuations of the web two companies never exceeded the valuations of the web one companies. Uh, pretty much, I think, like Facebook isn't as valuable as Google, for example, or, you know, uh, or, you know, Twitter or Snapchat aren't as valuable as Amazon. So, do you, you know, is Web3 going to be built on top of it? And the pie, the pot, going back to that question around how big the opportunity is, it's just an extension of digital. So potentially the valuations of the companies are going to be, you know, the next wave, but not as much as the original sort of uh, Web 1 companies and Web 2. Right. I mean, I think, you know, yes, Google, uh, Amazon started during Web 1, but today they are, you know, they've all adapted to be Web 2, right? Web 2 is is read and write, basically, where it's a, it's a conversational internet. So Google is very much you know, you, the, the algorithm that they use today is very much, very much web two. So con considering them as a web one company, I think is, is not, is not really correct. So I would say that, you know, there's the valuation of web one companies that have remained web one through web two is probably zero, right? It's maybe the, you know, the AOL or. I don't know. I, I have to disagree because the web two is the two, is the part where customers can interact. It's comments. It's uh, comments on websites. If you take the New York Times, that's web one. If you put the comments on it, that's web two. Whereas Google have failed so many times with, with Circle, with so many, uh, okay, YouTube, but they bought that. But so many of their products that they launched have failed, just like now their attempts in AI. But but actually, like the core crux of what they're doing is, is uh, their website is basically that original internet. Whereas the web two part is the social network part where UGC content comes up, people have profiles and things like that. And they kind of failed at that. And Amazon aren't in that space either. Well, but I mean, the fact that you can search on Google, you know, Google kind of launched the web the web two era by by enabling people to to search for, for things and, and not just index information passively okay so i guess it's a it's a bit of a blurry line but i yeah, would argue fair. that you know the the web one internet which is the the brochures the static brochures on the web non non-conversational non-interactive there's not much of that left okay but google founded in 1995 tim o'reilly coined web 2.0 in 2004 so and the they certainly is, started in web one yeah. yeah but but so okay so we're moving uh on uh just chatting about the opportunity that you see in Dubai 
what's how do you see this expanding and how do you see your company's presence here um yeah i think you know what's what's exciting here again is the is this drive from the from the government from the country itself to to really become a leader in the metaverse and to to make dubai that that metaverse you know city by helping you know governments are having government services in the metaverse and having the key landmarks available to to tourism from far away um in in the metaverse as well so we're just you know kind of riding that that wave and want to help really um, delivering on that vision with the skills and the technology that we have. So we're quite excited. You know, we're putting more people on the ground. Um, I joined, I, I came here about six weeks ago and we have a few people from our sales team joining in, in April. We're going to hire locally as well, build a, a proper office there. And uh, really, we, we, we think that this is going to be our, our major market within the next six months. Do you see, that's really great to hear, but do you see this as a, a UAE opportunity or a regional opportunity? I think it's, it's broader than that. Obviously, UAE is, you know, where where we are now. Um, but there are huge opportunities in, in GCC, you know, generally speaking. Saudi is a huge market, obviously, with all the development that they do there. So it's just a really exciting, you know, region to be in. And just even, you know, as an entrepreneur personally, looking at making a, a bet on where to live for the next 10 years, I think this is a, this is a great place to be. Brilliant. That's a brilliant note to finish on. Thanks, Sam, for your time. Thank you so Look, much. Looking forward to playing around the metaverse and hearing more about what Land Vault has in store. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I learned a lot from that episode. I hope you did too. I'm always wondering whether we should have crypto interviews on Dubai Works. Uh, I'm not sure it's a perfect fit for it, uh, but I thought what Sam's doing at Land Vault, particularly uh, in Dubai and a lot of what uh, Dubai is doing around the metaverse investment wise uh, meant it, it was a good fit and hopefully you learned something from it. Thank you as usual to Ali Alibaba who produced this show this morning and Shahir Al-Kindi who, who also produced it uh, and if you are listening on Apple Spotify, Angami, Podio, wherever you get your podcasts, please do like, comment, subscribe. You can watch the video in full on Smashy TV uh, if you download the app, it's all avail also available on smart TV apps as well. We'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>